right, folks, welcome back, and good morning once again. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show. Let me begin by saying this uh, before I introduce this, my incredibly good friends who are on the show with me today, um, that, uh, as I said earlier very quickly, we are not retiring. Uh, we are moving on, and we are going to continue our work. And if you want to be on our mailing list, you should uh, go over to uh, either either write Valerie at SteinerShow.org and give her your email address, and you'll continue to be part of our blast. Uh, you can go over to the Mark Steiner Show Intelligent Talk Radio on Facebook, uh, and uh, you can just you know sign on and say you want to be part of that uh, Facebook page. You can go to my personal page. There aren't too many people left because you don't have a 5,000 limit, and it keeps you know, ending, but, but, but come to the show page where there's plenty of room. Um, and, and we will send you our updates. We're going to be podcasting. We're going to be collaborating. Um, there's a lot to be done here politically, socially, artistically in our community and around the country that we're going to be involved in. So we're not going any place. Now, there are three people who have meant a great deal to me over the years on this radio program who I consider extremely close, even though we don't have a chance to socialize and see each other as much because we're already busy with our lives, but they have been on this program a lot, and they give a lot to this community. So I'm trying to get as many folks on who I think about in that way uh, to come on and join us towards the end of our time here in WEAA. And uh, one of those people is somebody who first came to the show in 1993, as I always say, when uh, we did the class of 93, mm -hmm. and she was one of four merit scholars. We started exploring what does it take to be a merit scholar back in that time in 1990. <laughs> Three graduate from Walbrook High School, <laughs> and there's Kalima Young, who now is teaching at Towson, the University of Maryland College Park, getting her PhD. <laughs> Kalima, good to see you. Good to see you too. And in Mark. love and married and all that kind of stuff. All that jazz, all that grown people stuff, <laughs> bills included. Bills you know? included. All Can't that get grown away from stuff. Them bills. Them bills. And two folks who I have a huge amount of respect for, for their commitment, not just to the arts, because they're both artists, they're both musicians, uh, but they're also, I consider them very deep, revolutionary, radical thinkers and activists uh, mm. who are committed to community and building community through their work. Uh, and they approach it in such a way, as you said in the show before, they didn't just walk into Cherry Hill and say, here we are. They walked into Cherry Hill where they're saying, can we be here? What do you need? What can we do to help build community and work? And that's what they did. And now there came this incredible film, Lone Love of Love, that they produced. Um, and we're talking, of course, about Navashadea uh, and Fanon Hill. They're both co-founders of the Youth Resiliency Net uh, Institute. Fanon is the executive director. Navasha is the director. Uh, and uh, Fanon is also a trainer for the National Rights of Passage Institute, writer and director of the film. And Navasha is a singer-songwriter whose voice is the soundtrack of the film, uh, Lom Navalov, and is just an incredible artist, uh, just incredible artist. She's on stage. This sister just owns that stage when she's on top of it. So it's just good to have you all welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all can join us here at 410-319-8888. Write to us here at talkinsteinershow.org by email. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner, but do join in. What are we talking about? Well, we're about to find out. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's real. That's real. <laughs> So there's so much happening. Yes. Uh, so much happening. Uh, you know, when you think of the work that you all do in a community, mm -hmm. and I mean, you all are involved in Cherry Hill and in Cleveland and in, from back in the other neighborhood in Baltimore? Uh, East Baltimore, East, Albemarle Square. Uh, Albemarle Square, Albemarle Square. So, um, and we see these debates going on about, uh, we see the pain in this city. Let's just talk about this for one moment and then mm -hmm. get some of this stuff. You mm -hmm. see the pain in this city with the violence that takes place, mm -hmm. and it takes people in pain to commit the kind of violence we're seeing and the internalized anger that's taking place. Mm -hmm. And so the response of most of our local politicians is, or some politicians and business mm -hmm. people are, well, let's lock them up. Let's, you know, anybody who's found with anything on their person that might look, look like a gun, <laughs> we can put them in jail. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's our response. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're actually debating at the moment rather than mm -hmm. figuring out what to do mm -hmm. to put our hands around human beings to mm -hmm. lift people up so we can end this in a way that maybe people don't think mm -hmm. about ending it. Right. So what what are your thoughts about? <laughs> so what are your thoughts about this? I mean, I you, you all come from this in very similar but very different places. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I know Navasha. You, you you often approach things in this kind of um, 
It's a very traditional indigenous way of mm-hmm. your thinking, both Afro, Afro-Indian, I would say, you mm-hmm. know, but both, both, you know, your political background and your work mm-hmm. and the family you come from and your work as a, as a, as a, uh, as a, as a woman in this community who, who uh, mm-hmm. does not, lives outside the straight world because mm-hmm. that no longer defines who we are. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. And so h- how do we look at this? <laughs> who, do, who wants to begin? <laughs> Um, Levasha, okay, ahead. fine. I'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just. I mean, I, I, you know, I just saw what happened, and uh, and I, well, you know, the result of the reaction of the energy that this question has brought, because basically, um, the approach is not always holistic when it comes to political decisions and policy, and it's very unfortunate. I know a lot of us who are artists and healers, you know, we're not always at the table in the decision making, and I think that that would be a nice addition to the approach. If when decisions like this, I'm being political right now, when decisions like this are made, that there are people in the room that have a holistic approach who are artists, who have a mind and a consciousness that's from that standpoint. Because when you're in the field of defending people and fighting for people and you're trying to keep your job, and that's a lot of stress. And I don't always know if the wisdom, the divine wisdom that every human being has kind of activates itself in those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I saw. And I see that... Um, there is an issue in regards to violence as a disease, and that's an emotional, mental, and spiritual issue. <clears throat> and if it's not approached that way nationally, internationally, and definitely locally, then we're not going to really have a real solution. It's going to be more of a Band-Aid. And because we're dealing with a, um, a cycle right now of the obvious aspect of racism not have, have ended as people thought it had, um, with our people, African-Americans who built this country for free, which is a whole other conversation, then <laughs> you know, if we don't really deal with from that approach then we're really missing the point. And if you have people who are, you know, doing these actors, there, uh, there are other solutions, and there's a way to go about this that's in decency and order. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's not always in the first mind of decision makers and people who are even approaching Because people are livid, they're scared, mm-hmm. they'll be targeted. There's a lot of fear. And fear and love can't exist at the same space. But So if we're really in a space of love and of really trying to help humanity, then we would approach it differently. If we're not, then we'll approach it differently. So that's, people are telling on themselves. It's very properly said. Yeah, you know, and I, I go ahead, Kaleem. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think I definitely agree with that. I definitely believe that you need to have more people at the table who are looking at the the wholeness of the issue, the mm-hmm. holistic elements, the fact that we bring ourselves everywhere we go, mm-hmm. regardless of our analysis mm-hmm. and our political standpoint. We bring our trauma to mm-hmm. everything we do. It filters how we exist, and that's really important. I think also another element is that we need to politically move away from a space where we don't think about systems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we have this tendency especially in the city to put all of the blame on individual people and acts Mm. as opposed to understanding the myriad of institutional forces that are making people make the choices that they make Um, and I think it's really easy for politicians to be like well that's just a bad person or these people just don't have any home training right mm-hmm. especially if you've grown up in the same neighborhood but you've made one path and another person's taken another decision it's just like they just didn't have any home training mm-hmm. I'm like no we have forces systemic institutional forces that that push that move people's hands right mm-hmm. so when we're sitting in these large spaces we not only have to be holistic in terms of what spiritual trauma what trauma we're bringing into our situations but we also have to bring, really do a better systemic analysis yep. of why folks make the choices mm-hmm. that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sorry, carceral systems and carceral approaches have never been designed for justice. They've been designed to police and curtail black, brown, and poor bodies in this country. So a system that was built already to not be holistic isn't going to suddenly shift and change its head in 2017. If that, no, no, that was right. a little rambly, but that's kind of... That's not rambly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was very mm-hmm. focused, mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. And I'm in total agreement. You know, generations of disinvestment, you know, has consequences. And I'll never forget, maybe about three or four years ago, uh, a film producer uh, produced a micro-doc about our work in Cherry Hill, the Youth Resiliency Institute's work in Cherry Hill. And this brother, a uh, white brother, had traveled all over the world you know um and he came to cherry hill and for those who are not aware of cherry hill cherry hill has one of the largest uh public housing complexes in the united states cherry hill homes so it's a it's a village it's a city within itself Mm -hmm. and so this film producer he wanted to get some b-roll footage of cherry hill homes and what he wanted me to do was to drive him around while he was seated in the back seat with this camera 
that's about the size of the Eiffel Tower <laughs> in July. Uh-huh. Everyone's outside. Now, we <laughs> seek permission to be in Cherry Hill, but we're not so arrogant to say or to think that everyone knows us. We still have much more work to do. And so I said, well, how about this? How about you sit in the front seat with me? Okay. Mm -hmm. He said, that's cool. I totally understand. So we're driving around and I drove extra slow because oftentimes people just want to know who you are and proper introductions are important. And so we drove around for about maybe five minutes and stopped in front of the the, the home of a um, mother who had lost a son to violence. Mm -hmm. And there was a makeshift memorial. And so we're speaking to her. And across the street, about five young brothers come up to the car. Now, the film producer, he's looking at me, and he's saying, I need you to deal with this. I said, nah, (laughs) I'm not dealing with this. You're going to be right here with me, and you're going to properly introduce yourself. So he did just that. And we had a conversation, and it turns out three of the young men had been uh, taught by Mama Shirley Folks, who's a community leader in Cherry Hill Homes. And before they left, Um, and gave us their permission to be there because that's important. This one brother turned around, and I never will forget this. He looked at me and he said, Brother Fanon, you know how I can get a job? Now, when we see our community members in our, you know, neighborhoods, tattoos, you know, expressing themselves like they express themselves, due to those populations being dehumanized, Year after year, decade after decade, we have an idea of who they are and what they want, what they don't want. But we don't take the time to engage them in conversation and to respect their humanity. Mm -hmm. So it's important, you know, as I was looking at the footage from the council meeting yesterday and community Mm -hmm. meetings being pushed out of City Hall. They were there to, to give voice to their concern. And that's what elected officials say. We need to hear from the community. What we're talking about is the importance, as Kalima was talking about, of systems that humanize residents who have the right to live in this these communities, not as refugees, but as citizens. And so the question becomes, how do we create those processes where they're able to give voice in their communities, then, you know, in City Hall, then at a state level, then at a national level, then at an international level. And that's the work that we try to do day after day. So there's a question of how we have a healing rather than carceral response to what we're facing. I'm going to open the phones here for a minute, but then I want to come back and explore that. And I want to explore it from like your, the work you do. Okay. And to have things, alternative ways of addressing what we see mm-hmm. uh, as artists, as thinkers, as activists. Mm-hmm. 410-319-8888. You just heard Fanon Hill. We hear with Fanon Hill, Navashadea, and Kalima Young, and you all are 410-319-8888. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. Send an email to talk at steinershow.org. 410-319-8888. And Brendan, Brendan Walsh, welcome. Good to have you with us. Hey, brother. Yeah, another great show. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, talking about systemic problems that's going on in Baltimore. Well, listen, we were calling just to wish you uh, good luck, and uh, thanks for all the shows we've heard, shows we've been on, and the work in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it puts stuff together. Yep, uh, So you but- have a... Uh, a good, a good time in the new, in the new venture too. Thank you, Brandon. And, and thanks, thanks a, a load. You you've helped Viva House many, many times. Thanks a million. Thank All you, right? great brother. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Thank you so much, <laughs> Brandon Walsh, and um, uh, they have uh, the, the two of them, uh, Willa and Brendan, have just you know they're they're part of the Catholic Worker Movement. They created Viva House in the West Side of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. This week, they're feeding a lot of people who don't mm-hmm. have food. But they're a place of activism, not just you know, mm-hmm. charity. I mean, they, they're, mm-hmm. they're political mm-hmm. activists, they're revolutionaries, mm-hmm. they're doing serious work in the community. They've never mm-hmm. left. Um, and uh, they, they have, uh, you know, they come out of that Dorothy Day world. They come out of that world that we don't realize that there's a, there's a, there's a left wing Catholic movement in the city that came out that has been very powerful mm-hmm. for the last 40 years. Oh, yeah. You know, they've done incredible work on Pennsylvania Avenue and, and St. Peter Claver Church, and which is where the Berrigans came from when they were, before they, you know, they, they reached national fame because of the Catonsville Nine action and other stuff they've been doing. And mm-hmm. I remember one day, just a quick story, this is a total digression, but I had to tell the story. So, <laughs> so part of their world were on my show at another station. This was years back. And um, <laughs> they were these uh, nuns who were being sought after by the police mm-hmm. because they smashed their uh, hammers into warheads into the nu- <laughs> into, and it, they broke into a missile place and the, and so 
from <laughs> they, they were on the, they were on the air with me, and as I was as they were as the show ended, <laughs> I got a little quick hit from somebody in the front saying, "The police and FBI are in the are in the hall." And we scuttled them out the back to get in their car. Wow. <laughs> wow. To get them off and down the road. So wow. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, that's right. real. That's yes, real. It is. <laughs> that's real. Yes, it is. And, wow. You know, and I spoke to the officers when they came in and said, well, you know, I mean, my job here is not to uh, <laughs> turn mm. people over to you, but mm. to, mm. Talk, to get, have the truth to be talked on my show. Mm. So <laughs> wow. that yeah. was, yeah, I would not forget that day. So anyway, coming back to where we were, I'm curious. And folks, think about this question and think about your responses to it as well at 410-319-8888. So when you think of the work that you all do and you as artists in Cherry Hill and, and, and bringing that there and the work you've done with your students and I think, Kalima, in many ways, one of the deepest thinkers I know out here and I really appreciate your mind and your activist and your spirit with all that. Oh, thanks, Bruce. So um, when, if someone's... Are, Let's say someone in, is caught with a gun, mm-hmm. a young man or woman caught with a gun. They may or may not have a record. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever they have. We don't know. They're caught with a gun. Mm-hmm. And they bring them to you instead of bringing them to jail. Wow. What happens next? <laughs> well, you know, I'll face that situation. All right. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Without sharing this young man's name. Yeah, right. Absolutely not. Right, um, right, right. right. He went out to get his GED. He is now HVAC certified. He has a lovely young son. Mm-hmm. I spoke to him two days ago. Mm-hmm. And he has a responsibility that he's aware of, although he now lives in the county, because the city was way too hot for him. And I'm not just talking about the streets. I'm talking about the practices and policies that mm-hmm. are carried out in Baltimore, you know, that were aiming for him, um, him growing up in foster care and having to navigate that system. Uh he understands his responsibility now, you know, as a young man in the mid-20s, as a father, the beautiful, beautiful wife or mother. I'm waiting for them to get married, and that's <laughs> another conversation because marriage is a beautiful institution. Right. But nonetheless, he understands his responsibility. So what you just shared happens daily, and it's not just me. There are countless individuals whose names we do not know, yeah. um, who do not have organizations, nonprofits, who are on the street doing the work. Love and shout out to Erica Bridgeport for what she's doing. She was on here yesterday. Oh, my goodness. She was on the show yesterday. Oh, my good. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. We're keep right there pushing. with you. But nonetheless, people know their responsibility, and that plays out, Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Fanon made a good point. He said he understands his role and responsibility. Um, one thing that we um, um, utilize are rights of passage tactics in our work. Fanon and I are both graduates of rights of passage um, processes as young people. Um, we both facilitate Fanon Can Train. He's certified to train. And, and when you understand your role in society, you approach life differently. If you, when you know your gifts and talents and, can you, and utilize that as a career, even a hobby, you operate in life differently. And so when, um, when we are choosing in that moment, because every choice we make, I don't care if we turn the corner in the street, a car could get it. Like it's, every choice we make in every day affects our life, has an outcome. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a ritual. Every day, every choice, you left or right, answer mm-hmm. the call, don't answer the call, affects your life. So mm-hmm. if you're deciding to carry a gun, and from that decision, the pro, you know, what it, when you evaluate what that decision comes from, is it for safety? Is it just because that's your job or whatever? When you don't know, understand your role, you approach that a little differently. So one of the things that we do is with the adults and children, we're with the, we work with the whole family, um, is that we are, are always um, purposefully identifying the gifts and talents of everyone we come across and providing processes, events, programming to assist in identifying the gifts and talents and purpose of of the people that we serve mm-hmm. and work with. And so I feel in my life, you know, my decision, that some people are warriors, you know, so that's a destiny that some people have in regards to having that energy. And when that's identified, that has to be held as a sacred space and taken in and, and mentored by other people who were born warriors who have this energy that's and right. they don't know what to do with it. And that's once again, you said it, indigenous, you know, um, practices. And um, and unfortunately, in this culture, we're not identifying the talents and gifts of our children, definitely not black and brown children or 
African descended children or children who are poor, we're not identifying that. People who have money have the benefit and, and privilege and influence have the benefit of taking their time out of college and going on trips to escape the violence and mm-hmm. you know not worrying if they're going to eat food or not or what they're going to eat. They can choose to go to a lunch for a long time because they own their own business. Or it's so many things that people take for granted, which takes away their humanity because you know the people who are at the top do not. Find you know organ, um, associate with people who they serve, mm-hmm. and that was something we talked about with um, boards and executive directors really going into the service and seeing mm-hmm. what they're giving money to or just being in the present. Then you see what, what's really needed versus what's on paper and and names and things. So anyway, um, so as we speak about the humanity of people. If we are not identifying and encouraging the talents and gifts of people, then of course people are going to make choices that are not healthy. If it's violence, if it's cussing someone out, if it's you know fist fighting, if it's you know cheating, stealing, whatever, because people are desperate. People are really poor, and I think that people don't understand that. I mean, if you don't yeah. understand what that feels like to have to eat a mayonnaise sandwich or just eat peanut butter jelly that day, or you know you really want McDonald's, but you you know you can only eat what they gave you for free at the church, or I mean, if you don't understand that then you're really missing out on the true circle and of humanity. So mm-hmm. then the decisions you make and all that will be a different approach because people are trying to survive out here. Yep. Then you have the whole thing of trying to find a family. So you have the gang situation. You have people who are just children who are being mm-hmm. neglected and not guided yep. in their lives. So they're just lost and going crazy. And children will do that. That's what the, that's what the revolt that we call it. But, you know, people will react and respond because people want to be heard, respected, and loved and appreciated. And everyone, as Maria Brun would say, deserves uh, a place to <laughs> sleep, a place to uh, eat. They deserve love. Every human being deserves that. And America is way too rich. Baltimore is way too rich. Yes. I will say that again. Baltimore is way too rich. Way too rich for what we Individuals, organizations, foundations, institutions, the system is way too rich for people to have to suffer like this. And it's a humanity problem. So when we are arriving in our humanity versus just being mammals and making money and driving our nice cars and getting our hair done as we are decision makers and we're really going to the humanity part because everyone has someone like this in their family most people definitely brown folk you know um, who are struggling you might have to help and send a couple money you know send money to it's, it's, it never should be shamed to the point where they're now restoring you know um, going to violence as a solution and people are home. it's just too much actually so mm-hmm. when we really look at the holistic approach as Kalima was talking about the system we can't you have to change the system and, and the city could be an example mm-hmm. so I call that out the city can be an example man I mean we can really do some powerful work here in Baltimore not just in the arts and culture community mm-hmm. and not just in, you know, it's in education, arts and culture community, politics, everything. We can really change and be an example for the United States if we approach it holistically and properly and bring the right people to the table, not the, just the same, not just the same folk that you yeah. feel comfortable with. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with all of that. I think, you know, the role of cultural production for someone who's in pain, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The role mm-hmm. of cultural production for folks mm-hmm. who are in pain is to, one, provide people an opportunity to breathe. That's right. Right? <laughs> an opportunity mm-hmm. to breathe, Speak. which is what, when you're in a space of, like, continual pain, which poverty is, a space of being That's continually right. in pain, um, you don't have much opportunity mm-hmm. to breathe, to take mm-hmm. a breath, to look at what's around you and appreciate mm-hmm. what's what, what's around you. So like the power of cultural production for someone who's in pain, some young person that needs help, somebody who's in on the margins, really allows them that space to mm-hmm. breathe. And then if it's guided properly, it also provides people the opportunity to understand their inner scripts. You know, what are the things that are making them make the choices that they make? And then if you take it a little further, it also helps, can help people understand what their sacred contract is, Mm -hmm. what their roles are, Mm -hmm. right? Why are you on this planet to be? Mm -hmm. So I think having a cultural productive, cultural approach to these issues really allows that opportunity to get at the core of our humanity, to Mm -hmm. give us space to breathe, to give us a space to understand what's making us move and do what we do, and then also help us understand what our role is for the next next jump off. So folks, do join us here, 410-319-8888. Aramay, you're the first caller up. I want to hear your thoughts and ideas out there about this. You know, and many of you called in, and your attitude is, and I think it's justifiable on many levels, and we should talk about that, which is, well, you know, we just can't have these knuckleheads on the street carrying their guns and hurting people. So we've got to do something about them, and I understand that, too. So um, that's an internal struggle going on in the community. I see the community meetings and hear the back and forth between people who are scared and frightened of what's happening in their neighborhoods, want to see change. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about how we get that change. So call me at 410-319-8888 and join in on this discussion with everybody. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away.
Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner. Good to have you with us here on the Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA, 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And uh, we are here with Fanon Hill, Navashadeha, Kalima Young, and you talking to three serious intellects, three artists, three people who are community activists, three people who are doing their most to kind of heal and change our communities uh, for the better. And uh, we've been talking a lot here this last half an hour. Let's go to the phones and see what you all are thinking. At 410-319-8888, line one, Aramay, is it? You're on the air. Welcome. Yes. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Okay. So I just want to contribute about what the 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 lady just said about holistic approach. Uh, When it comes to the city, the African-American community, I don't think they have enough resources. Leaders are not doing enough to help them, uh, you you know, circumvent or uh, get in touch with the holistic approach. Uh, A simple thing like traveling, for example, to see what's going on around the world and even to see what's going on inside inside the United States. Those those resources are not given to the uh, to the African American uh, community. You know they don't even have passports to begin with because of different lack of resources. Now one example, I was going to my country one day and I was in an airplane and I was traveling with thirty young men going to Senegal in a village and neither of them were african-american 30 white boys so i was just they were very friendly we chat all the way i was teaching them french was teaching them wolof they were going somewhere so when i came back that really impacted me impacted me so when i came back i said okay i'm gonna try to uh start a non-profit and see how i can take these people you know outside of uh, go take them to France, for example, take them to Senegal, just like I see those white boys doing. Mm-hmm. So when I created a community, a non-profit called Cultural Exchange, I didn't have near support or resource, neither from African-American community, nothing. You know, it's like lack of resources. Even as a foreigner, you see where you're coming from and you see something impact you and you want you come here, want to make a difference because you love this community. You've been living here for 20 years. You say, okay, I'm going to do my part. You have no resource to do anything. When you start to do fundraising, the same mom you go to, tell them about what you're doing, they are, oh, yeah, I'm trying to raise funds for myself. You know, and you're trying to help their children. So to cap my comment, it's like resources are not available. Blacks are not helping blacks. And these boys need to get out of here, acquire a passport, travel to school. To the, uh, the resources are there, but they're not reachable for this community. Until that is done, nothing can be, nothing else can be done. Thank you. I'll take my comment off there. Thank you, Arame. Your thoughts, Arame? Wow. Well, I know, you know, for sure, as she was Phenomenal. speaking, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I thought about a number of groups and individuals and entities who take children, mm-hmm. African-American children, um, overseas yearly mm-hmm. and who have to fight to get the proper funding to do so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Baltimore is a very resilient city. It's a city that's built upon self-determination. Mm-hmm. And these individuals and these organizations continue to take young people from disinvested communities overseas. Right. If I'm not mistaken, Navasha, isn't Ross Trey from Grills Eye? Mm-hmm. Are they presently? They're always doing work going over to Ghana and Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of organizations that do that, and um, it's really a solution to violence. It's actually um, mm-hmm. a, a um, people think about what can help these young children. And not only that, but they give them tools. So the children in Ross Trey's group, Grills Eye, Aya, they have a lot of different organizations actually under them, but they actually teach children filmmaking yeah. for the purpose of seeing their, learning about their history and their culture. I know Olu Butterfly works with that as well, the poet. And so it's just, you know, it's really important when people are applying for grants in the city that people see, the, you know, what they are doing and what is the impact they, that's what these children and youth are going to have. Mm-hmm. I, now these t- um, people they took initially are in their 20s, and they're still doing the work. They're still, mm-hmm. you know, utilizing tools they learned. And so you have organizations that do this, and there are a lot of organizations that do this that people see as a solution. And Mariah Ray, 
um, took a group of young people, students from Baltimore City Schools to Cuba, Cuba. Mm-hmm. And um, she she had to raise, you know, monies. One of the things that we also do, speaking about passports, because I understand where she's getting mm-hmm. what she's getting mm-hmm. at. Um, there are individuals, African immigrants, you know, in Baltimore. And we speak about the Hispanic, you know, community and, and immigrants in Baltimore. There are countless African immigrants who have experienced traumas. Um, deemed as refugees, seek asylum, and are now citizens. And one of the things we do in our work, specifically I'll speak about the Quay family from Togo, West Africa, who were human rights activists. We connect them with Baltimore City residents who live in so-called high-poverty communities, traumatized communities, so they can begin to talk about healing and develop an international perspective. But it's more than just taking a group of young people Mm -hmm. um, out of the country you know, Rostray and Mariah, there's a process preparing right. them to take those travels so they become international in, in, in mindset, um, even when they're not out of the country. And you've right. got people like um, um, Sharina, Sharina Christmas, Christmas Rose yep. and Bashi mm-hmm. Rose. That's right. Who, went, yeah. For the last 12 years, yep. have been taking, I think mm-hmm. it's been 12 years, mm-hmm. been a long while now, yeah. take young people out to the African, to Africa, but also the African diaspora That's communities right. in Europe and throughout mm-hmm. the Americas. Uh, they went to Cuba. They've been to mm-hmm. West Africa. They went to France, mm-hmm. Republic, London, think, uh, right. in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- yeah. that stuff is happening. People are doing that mm-hmm. in, in, in the city. I think cultural exchange is extremely important for helping yep. young people to expand how they see the world. Um, but I also know young people. I grew up in the city, and I know folks who don't even realize that they could catch the bus and go down and see water. Mm. Right? <laughs> Right, seriously. Right. I live right, in West right. Baltimore. I have friends who be like, oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm going down to the harbor. You going down mm-hmm. to the what? You going to, I'm like, come on, man. It's where the water, it's <laughs> dead people in it, but you can go. <laughs> right? So I think, <laughs> I think that just helping, Baltimore has this tendency to be very insular. Insular. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's very tightly wound into little spaces. It's those silos that I used to talk a lot about when I was working at MICA. Um, these sort of siloed communities mm-hmm. and individual and barriers that we've literally put up so that people can't get from point A to point B yep. across the city. Yep. Right? I'm like, if you, it's great. Take a child to Senegal. But you could also take them down the damn street mm-hmm. and show them that there are ways that people are living throughout the city mm-hmm. that are very different. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I'm really a proponent for helping people to expand mm-hmm. their understanding of where they are place-based mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the barriers that are being put up institutionally mm-hmm. yeah, for them to not be able to get it, Very get true. there. And then also <laughs> nature, just understanding how we are made up of earth, wind, fire, water, and ether, and why we feel peaceful when we're in nature. And the fact that when I first moved here, I, came, I you know, graduated from Oregon State, MSU. And <laughs> when I first came here, I was very shocked coming from Cleveland, Ohio, with the lack of trees in certain communities. And I was like, oh, my Lord, they don't have any trees. And the fact that nature brings a certain level of peace and calm to you. Yeah. And, and a lot of people utilize these, these um, green spaces. And I think that's a... a um, um, it's kind of a privileged attitude to I'm going to enjoy the green spaces oh around gosh, Baltimore yes. versus it being a normal kind of activity for young people to enjoy. But if you're trying to survive, you may not be, you know, thinking about, you know, they may not, I'm saying be thinking about, may not, you may not be, you may, may not think, you may not, <laughs> I just want to say it, be thinking about. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm a little sleepy. Um, about, um, you know, enjoying nature. You're trying to figure out how you're going to eat and feed your children and survive and avoid violence. But, I know that that in consciousness, when you shift your 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 surroundings, it can shift your consciousness, and that divine can interact and be more prevalent in your life and your decision making. And so that's really really important. And it shouldn't be just a privileged activity; it should be the normal that schools do casually, yes. and people in their families do right. casually. And you know, it's a, it's a certain level of consciousness to understand that. But just to even go to D.C. and just see how it is there, and see what the possibilities are, see what the average pay is. I know people who are like, I made forty thousand. I'm like, people are making six figures in these police jobs and yeah. you know working as a plumber I mean there's so much expansion exposure that the children and youth need and even their families to understand the possibilities of living a life that's living versus surviving but just mm-hmm. you were talking about the young man who exactly. got an HVAC thing and I, I make mm-hmm. that I did a speech the other day to some young people about just where you can you know where mm-hmm. you can how you can mm-hmm. make a living out of here and mm-hmm. you can remain a poet you can remain an artist you that's can do right. things you want to do that's right. that's right and a young man came up afterwards whose mother had actually been a political activist in the 70s in the Panthers, but he, he was a guy who was, had, his, uh, uh, had dreads and, you know, came up to mm-hmm. me and said, uh, well, you know, I, 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 I'm an HVAC repairman. 
There you go. All right, now. And we talked about that, about how many mm-hmm. more people could actually get these jobs mm-hmm. that really take the, where you can make a living. Mm-hmm. And we, could, we should be doing more of that. We should be helping our young people get to the Inner Harbor, get mm-hmm. to, the, to, to, these, to, these, to these companies downtown, learn the skills, get the jobs. You're not, we're not doing it. You know, I mean, I was saying, I was sitting in a restaurant last night going, the wait staff here mm-hmm. that's making all this money in this big downtown ho- restaurant, mm-hmm. I didn't see... The only black face I saw was busting tables. Wow. Mm. And that's real. That's really the reality. I mean, I look at so, that kind of stuff all the time. That, that, that was like, come on. Yeah. This yeah. Is, it's not yeah. that difficult. Mm-hmm. When I know my friend Stanio Spiriatus, who owns the Black Olive, just across a few blocks away, huge portions of his staff are people of color and black people waiting on tables and cooking in the and right. cooking inside and being right. a chef and you know mm-hmm. that because they make the mm-hmm. effort to go find the people to hire them mm-hmm. and bring them into the into the space and that's and that's the key mm-hmm. making the actual effort yep. Yep. like yep. <laughs> you actually yep. have to diversify actually how you find people what you're looking for pay attention to qualifications when you're trying mm-hmm. to bring people in mm-hmm. don't require silly things like a license for a mm-hmm. job where you don't have to drive because the majority of people in the city don't have licenses <laughs> like there are all these barriers that we put up to bringing people right. into mm-hmm. the and, workforce and don't fire mm-hmm. a person with being 15 minutes late because the bus doesn't work 410-319-8888 rena you're on the air <laughs> welcome hello hi rena you're on the air welcome okay it's renee renee i'm sorry renee okay. welcome no problem um, and it caught my attention. For one thing, I like to tell you, I'm gonna miss you when you leave. Thank you. Um, and I appreciate your uh, station. Is because you bring connection yes. within, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. And all I want to say is, I, I come from Cherry Hill 70 years ago, wow. and believe it or not, it was a village. Mm-hmm. It had one rules. Everybody had the same rules in every home. I, I guess mm-hmm. you say that within anybody in the community during that time. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is that. My father, well, I was born and raised in the projects. We didn't even know we was poor, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And as we uh, grew up, my father told us that if he could take us out of the um, public housing, that he, wouldn't, he wasn't looking for us to go back to live, but go back to help. So I moved back maybe when I was 27, maybe 40 years ago, I had uh, my first child. And I moved back to Jar Hill, but I didn't move back into public housing. But I moved back into one of these condemned homes that was on Cherry Hill Road. Okay. Dirt. um, Looked like nobody wanted to live there. But I was brought up in the projects, and they showed us how to maintenance your um, landscape. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went out there. I dug up the dirt. I um, I plant grass, my husband and I, and I plant flowers, and I started working for his start. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that the children could learn if they knew exactly how to plant what seeds was because I asked them where did a chicken come from and they told me a chicken box <laughs> and when they told me a right. chicken box I couldn't right. believe it right so I used my lawn as a, uh, a learning tool um, during the spring of the year we would go down there and plant seeds mm. um, we would um <laughs> see my husband cutting grass some of the neighbors started coming past and he would give them flowers right but what i'm saying is we don't have enough in that community to show examples and not only that they're not exposed they don't lead they don't lead the community i have people that i know that 70 like me has not went across hanover street bridge yep the further they go is maybe cross street market mm-hmm. um they don't go down to the um Middle Branch Park. Mm. They, um, I'm just saying they need to um, be. Ex- the kids need to be exposed. And mm-hmm. I, I like the person when they said the spirit. The spirit of the community is broken, and they need to have people to come and nurture them. I have most of the young guys that you um, see as gangbangers. I had those. Mm-hmm. They they didn't come from nothing. It's just that they had nothing else to do. Well, after football, after baseball, there's nothing for a young man or a young woman. If they don't take the initiative, and they, then they block them. They block them in. They send them to Digital Harbor, and they sent them to Southwestern. It, it wasn't that they didn't have the initiative to go somewhere right. else. They couldn't go anyplace else. And the only thing I wanted to say is us that's from Cherry Hill that has some of the background, some of the um, beliefs in it, let's go back. Let's go. We don't have to go back to live, 
but let's go back and hold hands and get that community to believe in itself again. Renee, thank you wow. so much <laughs> for, for, for what you just shared with us. And timely. It, it, talk about that, that leads right into something that's going on in Cherry Hill, right? You know, it, 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 it definitely, <laughs> I, I just want to share this. Thank you for your call. Um, Cherry Hill and the city of East Cleveland, where I'm originally from, are now sister cities. As far as I'm concerned, Cherry Hill is its own city. Um, the, yeah. the, the value system that exists, don't get it twisted. There are individuals in Cherry Hill who hold it down. Mm-hmm. And they're folk who come from all over the United States to study Safe Streets Cherry Hill. Mm-hmm. And Peggy Job, a master educator in Cherry Hill, and the way that uh, uh, Michael Battle or Kyrgyz Loggins work in the community. But one of the things uh, that I want to share that's very key about the Youth Resiliency Institute, we're, we're definitely an arts-based institution, but we're not waiting for arts, elite art-based or arts institutions to rescue us, to save our communities. We don't have time for that. And Cherry Hill is definitely a community that is steeped in self-determination. So I say all that to introduce uh, something that's about to take place that is really amazing when you look at the lack of funding for festivals and art-based activities in so-called high-poverty communities. You know, and you got Hamden, you got the Hunt Fest, the Hamden Fest, the Mayor's Christmas Parade. We can talk about Federal Hill, the Jazz and Blues Festival, Federal Hill Irish Stroll, Mm -hmm. the Oyster Fest. But when we talk about West Baltimore, what do we think about? Love, love to Roots Fest. You know, Ashley Melbourne, they did a great job. That was a model that the city ignored. But Mm -hmm. it inspired us to do what Navash is about to speak about. But there are communities, Canton, that have countless festivals and get sponsorships. We do not have the right as folk who live in predominantly black communities in a predominantly black city to express who we are through festival. Mm -hmm. So we are Mm. producing in partnership, the Youth Resiliency Institute in partnership with the Cherry Hill Development Corporation and the Cherry Hill Community Coalition presenting the first annual Cherry Hill Arts and Music Festival, Saturday, August 19th um, at Reed Bird Park. It's free and open to the public, family-friendly. We'll have art. We have performances by yours truly, Navasha Dea, Lafayette Gilchrist. Wow. T.T., the artist. Mm-hmm. Russ Shanks, who's a gospel artist, um, gospel hip-hop artist. DJ Mighty Mark, who's from Cherry Hill, who's DJs with T.T., the artist, and travels the world, but he'll be DJing that day. Tidy Bags, who we purposely was recommended, we were recommended um, tidy bags and referred to him. He's a child, a young person from Cherry Hill that does great work already. He actually produces music, teaches young people how to produce music, to choose a child a week and buys them something to wear to help their confidence. Young, he's only 22 years old and he raps. You know, he's gonna you know be positive, obviously, but he raps and makes music and he keeps himself very peaceful and he found a way to do that. Um, and he works a job and everything. Um, Jonathan Gilmore, soul singer, Carter James. Oh, cool. True Soldier, who's another gospel, um, True Soldier and Two, Philly, Two Fly, excuse me, who donate their time in Cherry Hill and have performed in, in countless um, events in Cherry Hill. So we'll also have, you know, Festival Parade that starts off, um, Arts and Crafts, Food Sovereignty Village, Elders Village, Children's Village, Culturally Relevant Literacy Village, Food Trucks, Cherry Hill Heritage Project Exhibition, Vendors, Lumnava Love Film Screening will be held in partnership with Rexham Parks. At uh, Middle Branch that evening, it opens for Coming to America, and <laughs> so we'll be activating these two um, green spaces in partnership with the mayor's office, Rex and Parks, a whole lot of organizations. I mean, it's and we're we're on Facebook right now, um, and so it's going live. The website is www.cherryhillfest.com. This is the first time we've announced it publicly, by the it's way, Bark cool. Center. <laughs> and um, yes, and, and although it's a single day, it's a, it's an awesome. all day event. We. Um, are going to be having year-round activities, workshops. When we speak about our young people, we, we need to also speak about our elders um, and the importance of cross-generational programming, but mm-hmm. we're going to be engaged in artist mentorship, exchange programs, sending artists from Cherry Hill to Co- Colorado with um, one of our partners. Um, we're going to launch a film institute where families in Cherry Hill are going to produce their own films and have an annual fi- film festival. Um, and so the idea also is for these young people to learn employ- employability skill sets mm-hmm. through the arts. So when we go to these different festivals around the community, as the city, as you were sharing, Mark, you look at who's behind the soundstage and who's, you know, building, constructing mm-hmm. those stages. And you don't see a lot of folk who look like us who are young from these communities. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure that they develop these skill sets, mm-hmm. the mentorship, so they can hold some of these businesses accountable and be part of, truly part of the Baltimore's cu- cultural um, arts earth. And, and I think there's, there's a way to get 
get some money into these things too, but, but we can talk about that off the mic because I think there's obviously ways. There's folks who made a ton of money who used, grew up in Cherry Hill. Grew up, talk about yes. it all the time, it, it, but we don't see them. Come on back. And, Come uh, back, please. And, <laughs> we've been looking for you. And We're all know, right? And there's kind of more enlightened business people who are running certain foundations yep. that have been talking to see who would be the perfect people for you to Mm-hmm. Connect with them, bring that in because this it does so take cool. money to do this, to produce this. Yeah. So we have a lot of people. We only have like ten minutes left, and a ton of callers. <laughs> oh wow! Let's try to get some quick thoughts in here from our listeners. And Kim, you're on the air. You've been waiting a minute. Kim, you there? Do we have Kim? Line three, Kim. I'm not hearing anything. All right, hold on, Kim. We'll try to come back to you. Let's go to uh, Taren on line one. Yes. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I, I'm. I too am going to miss you. I Thank would like you. to say good morning to your guests and good also morning. to Nalasha and Zanon. Um, I'm a friend of um, Tiffany and Amir. Oh, oh yes. Met, yes, we met at the Montessori uh, graduation last yep. year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yes, ma'am. When, when Amir graduated, mm-hmm. I I called to make a comment from um, what Renee had just spoke of from Cherry Hill. Mm-hmm. I too. I am from South Baltimore. I called in uh, a few months ago. Um, I live in Sharp Leaden Hall. Oh, yes, right, right. Yes, my call is to the um, native South Baltimoreans. They need to come back. It's a handful of us activists Mm -hmm. slash concerned citizens in the community, and we need these people to come back because we can't do everything along. Um, It's a lot of, they call regentrification now development. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what that's the new word for that. So it's a lot of things going on, and we need to pull the old South Baltimore people who usually do the festival of the reunion at Carroll Park. It's another mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. We need those people who grew up, who ancestors have stories about South Baltimore, how it originated. Those people who grew up knowing the stories and the tales. We need to come back. They need to come back and help us out. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to do some video um, on this historic aspect. We have roots of Frederick Douglass there. We still have family members of him mm-hmm. there in our community. And I'm just calling just to have everyone to come back because, as we all know, it's strength in numbers. And that's all I wanted Amen. to say. Thank you. Thank you. Torin, it's good to hear okay. your voice. And uh, yeah, Charlotte and Hall is a, people don't realize, it, if I have this correct, it's it's the, was one of the oldest, the first free yep. black neighborhoods in the United States mm-hmm. was Charlotte and Hall. In South Baltimore. Mm-hmm. South mm-hmm. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. A story community that they would like to gentrify out and turn into mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They've been trying mm-hmm. that for a minute, though. They have been. <laughs> you have any quick thoughts on what you've just been listening to, Kalima? My thoughts are, it's really, I truly believe that when you grow up in an area um, and you leave, it's important to give back. (laughs) Um, I also understand that it can often be very, very difficult to figure out where you where you fit again. You know, like uh, neighborhoods. I'm just thinking about this conversation. It makes me think about, you know, her statement about gentrification, like. That that really shouldn't be called gentrification. It should be called displacement because that's what mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You displace people from their heritage. You displace people yep. from their com- their their uh, soul connection to the place where they grew up. You displace people, right, um, by building things around it. And how do we shift the conversation from gentrification, which ends up being about development, and make people understand that? We dis- we are what we witness around the city that's happening is displacement, mm-hmm. you know, is making it so that you psychically have no mm-hmm. connection to the space mm-hmm. where you used mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that that is a form of violence. That's right. Kalima. And it needs to yep. be addressed as a form yep. of violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think I don't know if that's what pops up from both of those conversations. I think you, you can't. You, one of the things we, we talked about a lot in the show over the years, and I think it, some people are beginning to actually have this conversation, which I think is important to change the way we do things. Uh, there are some people in town who are trying to create this whole notion of uh, this whole idea that you can create mixed use housing that works. That if you have a development, Mm-hmm. Then it cannot be exclusively for people of means. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to so create like the city arts mm-hmm. buildings and things like we that. You just can't do that. Anymore. That's mm-hmm. what we've been doing. That's the difference between uh, when you so we were talking about Cherry Hill earlier. Cherry Hill earlier. I was thinking Cherry Hill is a community, um, and I was then I started thinking about Port Covington. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is Same just a, right. 
I thought the same thing, right? I was just like, all right, it's its own little city in a city. Hey, it's its own white people city in a city. <laughs> and, and that sh doesn't have to be allowed. Right. We don't have to do that. We don't have to allow that to happen mm -hmm. in that way. You know, mm -hmm. or like when I was at a meeting in Forest Park just the other day, the other week, um, I talked about this the other day on the show that I, I was, it's my old neighborhood. Um, and it's just very funny. My my old part, my old running buddy from the neighborhood who I've not seen in years now, we just found each other before I went on the show, a little Billy Bull, uh, interesting cat in his own right. But he, right. so we, from that, on our corner, Liberty Heights and Garrison, when we were coming up, um, I looked at, I was walking around the neighborhood that, that, that evening and saw, um, these apartment houses that were empty right on the corner. I'm saying, you know, imagine if the next time the city needed to, to open an office building, mm -hmm. instead of putting it downtown or out in Towson or somewhere from the place, what if you put it in Liberty Heights and Garrison? Mm. <laughs> right. And turn that into a space mm. where city state workers came to every day. And they had to look around. Yep. And would also maybe build the neighborhood, mm -hmm. allow people to open restaurants who live mm -hmm. in the community. Mm -hmm. open, open, people you know, need to eat. Right. People need you know, their lunch and, break, and begin right? to hire people in the community to work in that building. And you begin to change the nature mm -hmm. of community by mm -hmm. putting things there mm -hmm. rather than displacing, putting yep. everything somewhere else until you're prepared to displace people to build that neighborhood up so it can sell to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's – and you, what you were just saying about festivals. Yeah, and, and I mean, well, I mean why isn't there a festival at, 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 uh, on the Liberty, Liberty School campus at Liberty Heights and Garrison? Why isn't that a music festival there like they do in Hamden or Camden or whatever neighborhoods are called? And, and to Khalifa's <laughs> point in terms of just the, the, the idea, the, the reality of displacement, um, right. part of that process requires, you know, you to forget, mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to be uprooted yeah. from the stories, from the art. Um, you know, we work with Abu the flute maker because he knows Baltimore City like just about. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just amazing in terms mm -hmm. of his his historical, you know, uh, uh, remembrance process, and he sees right. history as a political act. Right. And so, how he's able to go into communities and remind folk who have forgotten of who has come from those communities, the beauty of those communities, right. why they need to remain in those communities to build gardens in those communities, like no other person right. I've seen is able to do. So we're almost out of time here. So I want mm -hmm. to thank the three of you so much. You said Abu, and we said this quick story. So Abu, I've known for a long time. It was one of my early guests in the show. And uh, his daughter was my student at School for the Arts. <laughs> so I've known Abu for a minute. And so Abu, I ran to him on the street. He's doing all the street musician stuff. And he mm -hmm. said, send me your theme music. He's, so we're going to, whatever we do next, one of our podcasts and other places, he's taking our theme music and he's going to re-record it with his I love it. with his homemade instruments. Aww. Cool. And found instruments and created the Abu the flute maker sound for the Mark Steiner that show. Is. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is awesome. Oh, that's so fun. Much respect. <laughs> and I, he I can do it. that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I wish we could have gotten it done before yeah. we were shown the door, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Fanon Hill, Navashadea, Kalima Young, thank three of you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Love you all. Good to have you in the studio. Mark, you love too, you Mark. and love everything you. you have done for providing an outlet for individuals from the community who yes. are oftentimes ignored. We hear about the institutions, the social justice celebrities, celebrities as I like to call them. Oh, good but Lord. very rarely do you have outlets with people from the community, great grandmothers, uncles, brothers who have been incarcerated, who are now home. There are very few opportunities and have been very few opportunities for their to, them to share their voice. Thank you. Thank you thank so you, much, Mark. Thank, thank you all. I totally did all thank that. You. All right. Thank you all. On to the next next hour, but also the future's coming as well. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Uh, and Edward Wyckoff-Williams joins us with his ideas. And we talked to some city council folks about what they did and didn't do at last night's meeting.